What's happening, everyone, and welcome to Over the Top. We had one marquee match in a weekend without other standout games, and guess what? It didn't even happen. We'll get to the reasons why, and also talk about that relegation picture, which became crystal clear after this round of matches. It's Over the Top, Match Week 34. I'm Kyle, and I've got my man Justin here. How you doing, man? What's up, Kyle? Four match weeks left of the season. I know some teams have five, but... We are getting down to it, Kyle, and one side of the table has a really interesting uh, side to it, and the other side of the table is just really boring this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny. I feel like the last couple of seasons, uh, both the top four race and the relegation picture have um, really gone down to the wire. Um, God, I can't even remember the time when uh, it was such a lock, but relegation spots pretty much a shoe in I mean, it's almost impossible for Fulham and West Brom to get out of there. The top four race is pretty interesting, though. But, um, look, there's a lot has to happen for Chelsea and Leicester to fall out of there. I mean, what, they're both at least five points ahead of fifth place. So, I don't know, man. Your Leicester boys are looking pretty, pretty promising. It'll take a colossal, colossal collapse to, uh, you know, let that slip. For sure. I mean, we'll get into the odds of top four a little later we're going to get into 538 chances of each team making the top four the ones that have seemingly still a chance at the top four right now uh kyle there was supposed to be a game this week as you alluded to between liverpool and manchester united at old trafford but as you and i both found out sunday morning when we woke up uh there were some fans that crashed the party a little bit uh had some fun on the field kyle yeah, and keep in mind, everyone, that unlike in the U.S., fans cannot go to games in the U.K. yet. I think some were allowed at the, uh, well, some were definitely allowed at the Carabao Cup final, I think like 2,000, but not yet in Premier League matches. But I think it was about 100 fans, maybe two, somewhere between 100 and 200 Manchester United fans um, somehow broke into Old Trafford before the game um stormed the field and lit off a few flares saw footage of one guy going into the uh media area and picking up the uh camera and the um tripod it stands on and throwing it um you know sky sports announcers saying they threw shit at them which again you know at the english sports media i don't even know if that's true or not but uh it wasn't a good look for united fans though i gotta say but um again look the Super League fallout continues, and this is another um, leg of that because this is a massive, massive game. Um, you know, the champion of the Premier League could have been decided on this game if Liverpool beat Manchester United. But, um, you know, keep in mind, this is also one of the biggest rivalries in English football as well. So um, I can't remember a time when I've ever seen a game postponed for these reasons before. No, and it looked like it was going to be played. I mean, I know it was delayed for a while, and uh, I think it was on NBC Sports, but then they said the fans were cleared, so it looked like the, the games were going to go on, even though the players were still at the hotel, but I guess they decided it was too late, or by the time they could get the players there and warm up, it would be too late, especially with United having maybe a Thursday game in Rome, I'm not sure. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's an interesting situation, but if you look at Manchester United's schedule, Kyle, I'm not sure when this game is going to be played. Yeah, yeah, honestly, because with the pandemic, the schedule has already been so condensed in a season where 
you know, there were already more games added on and more international fixtures, but I'm pretty sure every single team now um, is playing twice a week until the end of the season. Um, you know, you went over some of the fixtures United has um, and Liverpool have before the end of the season. And yeah, it's I'm literally not sure where they'll even be able to fit this in. But I'm also very uh, surprised that they postponed the game in the first place. The official reason that the Premier League gave is because they could no longer ensure the safety of the players and the staff and uh, the people who work at Old Trafford. So very, uh, very, very, very interesting. Of course, there were also hundreds more fans outside of the stadium too. But, you know, back to that fixture pileup. My God, man. I mean, what, are they going to have to like play a game on a Sunday and then on a Tuesday? I mean, it's looking like that'll have to be the only way I see it moved is if the Liverpool West Brom game, which is scheduled for Sunday the 16th, is moved to midweek, like May 12th. It could also just be straight up canceled because no one wants to see West Brom play anyway. Ha! Um, well, that would be my preference. But the second yeah, one I'd love that. That, would be moving that game to midweek and then United Liverpool could play that weekend. But again, that's a lot of fixture congestion for both United and Liverpool, who would be playing midweek, week, midweek, week, midweek, week. Yeah, weekend, I should say. So United also have the Europa League going on. I mean, you know, they're up 6-2 on aggregate against Roma, so they're almost certainly, barring a miracle, are going to be in that final too. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, But look... More Super League fallout. Um, pretty much the fans of every single club that uh, announced their participation in this breakaway league, which is really kind of like treason on UEFA and the Premier League and everything like that. Um, all fans from all these clubs have protested so far. Um, more are coming. I know you know my club Tottenham has a big one planned for I think what May fifteenth when their next home match is. But this one's really interesting, Manchester United, because. On the surface, the the teams that have been protesting their ownership the most have been clubs like Arsenal and Tottenham. You know, we saw a big Chelsea protest that day, but after, you know, the Super League was canceled, um, Chelsea fans sort of like peeled back a little bit because I feel like most fans like Roman Abramovich, their owner. Uh, The Manchester United situation is totally different than Arsenal and Tottenham, though, whereas, you know, these clubs from North London, like Tottenham and Arsenal, have been criminally underfunded by their ownership, despite them being worth, you know, being in the top 10 most valuable clubs in the world. Manchester United, though, have the second largest net spend since uh, the Glazers took charge in 2005. Um, yes, they're not winning trophies as often, but they have won multiple Premier Leagues under Sir Alex Ferguson. They've broke the transfer record on multiple occasions with players like Paul Pogba. They dropped a just a a slick eighty million on Harry Slabhead Maguire too. Um, so you know, it's funny on my group chat, the United fan was saying he didn't really have much of a an opinion on the Glazers, and I gave him a bunch of shit for it. But after thinking about it, I feel like I had to do some research because it is kind of puzzling. Because you know, since two thousand five, I mean, you and I have seen them win multiple trophies so it's it's kind of odd isn't it very very odd um i'm curious what's going to happen i mean the glazers i can't imagine them selling unless for an enormous price i mean united what the third most valuable 
football club behind Real Madrid and Barcelona. Publicly traded also on the stock market, pretty uncommon also. So it's just, it's interesting. And and keep in mind, uh, the Glazers also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a lot of these American owners own some kind of sport, American sports team. By the way, they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Tom Brady, by the way. Uh, you know, Liverpool's owners own the Boston Red Sox. I think the Cronkies own, is it the Rams? The Los Angeles Rams, yes. Yep. yep. I know Fulham's owner owns the Jaguars. You know, there are all these interesting links going on. But yeah, so I, I honestly had to do some research into why there's such a long simmering beef with Manchester United fans. Because this is not brand new just with the Super League. This has been going on for years and years and years and it all started in 2005 and 6 and I, i'll try to go quick at this history lesson here uh apparently it all stems from how the glazers purchased the club in the first place uh they bought the club using a bunch of loans and piled on debt uh to a club that never really had debt before over the years and that mounting debt has coincided with a downturn in success over the last decade uh, although as a Tottenham fan, I'm kind of like, come on, y'all have definitely won trophies since then, Europa League, Premier Leagues, FA Cups, stuff like that. Uh, but this is from Sports Illustrated. I'm going to read this out real quick. The takeover of United in 2005 began with protests outside of Old Trafford that featured burning effigies of the incoming ownership. Fans were angered that a club without debt was lo- loaded with liabilities that reached a high of £717 million which is 1.1 billion US dollars at the time during the 08-09 season. It's a debt that has had to be serviced and cost United along with dividends to the Glazer family more than uh more than 1 billion pounds in 16 years. It stood at 456 million pounds in December. So that debt has sort of shrunk over time, but uh it just all has to do with financial support uh or stability of the club rather and mounting debt. Um what I remember of these protests was back in 2010 when they sort of came back with these green and yellow scarves. You might have seen those in these protests or have seen green and yellow flares uh, lit by the fans. And that's really just like a straight up rejection of the classic red of Manchester United in protest of the ownership. So um, the interesting part, though, is that, you know, decreasing success over the years. I mean, Yes, they haven't been that successful since Sir Alex left, but Jose won a Europa League. Um, Ollie's looking like he'll win the Europa League this year. Um, so, and I, I think I remember Sir Alex winning in 2012, 2013, something like that, his last season at, at United. So, interesting. Very, very interesting. The Super League was basically the last draw, though, and that's what we're seeing today. I will say before we move on, I would say the the Glazers are more likely to stay from reports than the Cronkies will because Arsenal seems to have a very interested buyer. But whether the Cronkies sell is another matter entirely. Yep, yep. And that that uh, interested owner is Spotify owner. What is it? What's his name? Daniel, Daniel Ek. Ek Swedish, I think, yeah. Swedish, Swedish guy. billionaire. He's reached out to a bunch of uh, Arsenal legends to see if they want to pitch in money. Players like Thierry Henry, Robert Pires, and stuff like that. So... Very interesting. Yeah, Arsenal is the one club that has some movement on that. Tottenham and United, uh, not so much. They've got the stingiest of the stingy owners. So, interesting. 
Well, Kyle, there were also games played. So going from no game to games, there were games and some interesting results. It wasn't the sexiest weekend, I will say. I would say the final three weekends of the Premier League are going to be really good with the matchups that we have coming. But this one was probably the most uh, anticlimactic, we'll say. Uh, The most uh, impactful result, or one of the most impactful, was Southampton drawing Leicester 1-1 on Friday, Kyle. And this was an interesting uh, deja vu moment where Southampton went down to 10 men really, really early. I think the 10th minute almost in this game. Yeah, I think you're right. And they held on against Leicester. They actually scored the first goal. Leicester responded a few minutes after Southampton scored the penalty. But I thought they played much better and very solid defensive shape from Southampton. 100%. I I know, uh, you know, when they go down to 10 men on that Vestergaard red card, which was uh, debatable. Let's I don't just, even want to talk about that. But yeah. yeah, I don't want to talk about VAR either, but... When you see them go down to 10 men within the first 10 minutes, I mean, we how many times have we been here with Southampton? Um, no 9-0 this time, though. And wait, the other time when they got smacked 9-0, was that also? Oh, that was United. Never mind. That wasn't that was United, Leicester. yeah. Leicester was the last season. Guys, <laughs> the 9-0s with this club are ridiculous. But yeah, you're totally right. Uh, Southampton really sat deep um, and tried to hit them on the break. They looked super solid. Um, so I got to credit Hassan Hoodle, who just seems to come back from these just like absolute, you know, murder games, uh, where they just get absolutely spanked, but they really ground out this, this, uh, you know, excellent point. And it wasn't for a while looking like Lester was going to equalize, but Ianacho pulled up and turned provider. He turned provider, Kyle, rescuing a very valuable point for Lester. I mean, three would have almost sealed the door on the top four, but a point oh, yeah. is not detrimental. They still play Newcastle this weekend. If they get three there, Kyle, I mean, it's really hard to see. Even if they even if they lost their last three, they could still get in, which is crazy. But Yeah, yeah, because as of right now, they're five points ahead of West Ham in fifth place. So um, pretty much West Ham, Tottenham, Liverpool, and barely Everton are still yeah, in it. We'll get to them. Yeah, not really, but um, you know, you basically have to hope on Leicester losing their last three games, or hoping they and hoping they drop points against Newcastle. So it's looking very unlikely. Good for Leicester. Manchester City went to Crystal Palace with their B team, Kyle, and swept them off the park. Sergio Aguero, um, who hasn't played all year, Kyle decided to show up and show what he's all about scoring that uh scoring that goal kyle i mean oh, what a goal what, what do we what what to make of aguero you know he's going to be available for a free transfer this summer obviously he's getting up there and his prime is past him but he's still a good player and he can he can do the business at the top level still so i'm going to be curious to see if he goes to a champions league club like a barcelona or stays in the Premier League for and plays constantly with the Leeds United. I, I, that's one of my biggest uh, transfer storylines that I'm interested in, just because of how Aguero, how good he's been in the Premier League. One hundred percent. I mean, straight up Premier League, league legend. I mean, I don't think that can be debated whatsoever. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he wants to stay in England to like up that goal tally, but at the same time, when Barcelona comes calling with all their cash problems and your buddy Messi is there. It's pretty tempting also, and I, I think he would well, really... Well, it is messy there. That's the question. <laughs> yeah. That's the God. big question of the summer. I mean, the summer transfer window is going to be so interesting with the 
pandemic and all these teams are strapped for cash and then when a when there's a free agent like Sergio Aguero strolling around who cares about his wages I mean the fact that he's free is just nuts I know he's getting older but 32 years old for a striker that whose game does not rely on pace it's not bad Two I mean solid his, years left at least oh yeah at least so I mean we've seen uh Suarez and Lewandowski still be good at 32 it, it seems like Aguero looks after his body pretty well even though he struggled with injuries he looks like he's in good shape so but that goal man I mean that one touch, second touch, bang, finish, top of the net. I mean, God, what a goal. He's still got it, and you're totally right. Uh, one of the most interesting storylines. Um, another good performance on that pitch from Ferran Torres, who hasn't really played much, but come on, he's 20 years old, maybe 21 at this point. Great, great finish um, with his left foot curling into the far corner. Um, I was really impressed with him. He played across the front, both in that Number 10, cam roll, out right, out left. Um, and this is a guy who I think we'll see a lot more of in the coming years. He's uh, now got more than uh, 10 goals this season, and he's a six-man city player to do that. Six players with more than 10 goals. I mean, they're really spreading it around. Isn't it amazing? They basically changed their whole lineup from this Crystal Palace game to the game today against PSG. Uh, Ederson, was the, Ederson and Fernandinho were the lone survivors. And their top four, and their front four cities was Gabriel Jesus, Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling, Ferran Torres as a B team, and they didn't play today. Isn't that stupid? It's absurd. It's that's so just, absurd. They're so deep. I mean, that's what the this oil chic Mega Millions money can, uh, Monopoly money can get you. I mean, literally in every single position on that pitch, they're just a totally completely stacked. changed back four, and their back four against Crystal Palace was Mendy, Laporte, Nathan Ake, and Jao Cancelo. <laughs> I mean, the backups cost like forty million pounds. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just stupid how good this team is. But yeah, easy do it. Easy uh, walk in the park for City. Uh, moving over to Brighton, Kyle. The XG Warriors, obviously fourth place on the XG table this season. Swept away Leeds United, I have to say, 2-0 on the day. And Brighton looked like the better team. But I, I, I feel like the best way to put it is Brighton pulled a Leeds on Leeds. That's at least a feeling I got. Yeah, I mean, their pressing and their movement was fantastic. And capped off by the second goal of the evening for Brighton, which was from Danny Welbeck. A little touch. Oh, you have to Ooh. look this goal up if you haven't seen it. Probably the goal of the weekend. But took a touch behind him and then smashed it into the bottom right corner with his left foot. I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful finish and turned back the clock for Danny Welbeck. Beautiful. It was like a, a a ball was dropping from the air, and as it dropped and hit the ground, he decided to pull a Cruyff, Cruyff turn with his first touch. I mean, inside the box. I mean, God, he didn't even have to take a second touch before shooting. It was just perfectly placed. And I mean, look, Brighton really struggles for goals, but... Um, my God, I, I for me, you know, Aguero's goal was great, but for me, that was the goal of the weekend. We'll have to put that up on the Instagram or something for the for the fans out there. Right. My God, yeah, I mean, it was it was saucy for sure. Uh, Leeds United, kind of disappointing, but again, we've said this about Leeds all year, and we'll say yeah. it again. So hot and cold, it's just so unpredictable. But this Brighton win almost seals the nail in the coffin for, or pretty much does for the relegation race. Fulham, four games left. I believe they are, what are they? I think nine, nine points, points behind Newcastle in 17th, um, both on 34 yeah. points. So it's 
it's all done. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Speaking of Fulham, by the way, they, uh, you know, and their sort of last effort to stay up had to play Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, which is no easy task in that West London derby. Uh, Chelsea, it was pretty easy for them, 2-0, and with that, more or less, bye-bye Fulham. As you said, nine points behind Newcastle. Uh, they could be relegated next weekend, I think. Uh, well, I think mathematically they could still be in it if they lose and Newcastle and Brighton win, but the goal differential, it just... No, so Actually, if no. lose, they are still in it, or both teams win, but yeah, the goal difference, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's looking really bad. It's almost impossible, honestly. Um, you know, which is a, a shame in a way, because Fulham, I thought, looked decent in this game, but again, blunt in attack. They're not so solid at the back. Um, I don't really know why they don't play uh, the human sausage up top and uh, Mitrovic. I feel like he's their only source of goals. But he did score goals. Um, but goals on the other side, Kyle, a, t- a player that we were shocked in the beginning wasn't doing well. Although I, th- I feel like we pinpointed the reason why on this podcast. But ever since Tuchel has taken over and Kai Havertz has moved back into that false nine, that central role, I think he's been pretty good. Kyle and I think that he could do some really really good things for Chelsea next year and pair that with Timo Werner which I doubt they're selling even though he's been disappointing this season Um, Pulisic playing well and then Mason Mount just being so good I mean we were shitting on Mount for how long we're we're eating our words with Mason Mount and I'll I'll admit it honestly I mean he's gone strength to strength I mean that touch on that first goal for Havertz was world-class, you know, bringing that, uh, like, I think it was like a six raking 60 yard pass from the center back, plucked it out of the air with a beautiful first touch, uh, drew the defender, waited for Havertz to make his run and just like absolutely, you know, cut through the defense with, uh, like a knife through butter with that through ball. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, but you're totally right about Havertz, man. I mean, with this false nine role, which is really interesting. I didn't, imagine he would be in a false nine although it sounds like he was playing that role for leverkusen a lot last season uh his intelligence off the ball and his movement is just you can see why chelsea paid so much money he's just he just looks classy you know he he the boy he moves with the ball is just so slick and um i think he's got a huge huge feature ahead of him 100 percent, and i expect that to come next year it was always going to take a while because he's what 20 years old now yeah, maybe, maybe 21, maybe 21, but he's still really young. A lot of years okay. ahead of him. Uh, who would have thought, you know, when they fired Lampard and they were in the dumps around Christmas time, that Chelsea would be in the semifinals of the Champions League playing Real Madrid tied one to one tomorrow. They're in the FA Cup final against Leicester and they're still in, and they're favorites to finish top four in the top four race. Like, how about that? Not bad. Not bad. Tuchel, um, you know, I know as a former, as a Dortmund guy and Tuchel being former Dortmund boss, you were not so sure about him. Um, I wasn't sure that he would do this well, but man, he's doing a hell of a job. You got to give him credit. Yeah, exceeding all expectations. One player that's seemingly on the outs for Chelsea, has to, you have to say, is Tammy Abraham. I mean, just not getting a look at all. No, but, neither, uh, is, neither is Giroud. No, that day. Uh, going to another blue team, Everton, and they're feeling the blues after losing two to one against Villa. But Kyle, I mean, what is there to say besides Everton going to Everton at the end of the day? I mean, 
they put these themselves in a position just to disappoint once again. It's like a, I think I've told you this offline, but they're just like a more Spurs version of Spurs. Yeah, they're like a Spurs without the expectation. I mean, yes, even Spurs have more expectations than than Everton. I mean, they're literally the definition of like a perennial mid-table club, or at least it's been like that ever since you and I checked in the Premier League like 15 years ago. I know they finished fourth like 2003 or 2004 right. or something before, like that. Before fourth was a guaranteed Champions League place, but yes. Yeah, yeah 100%. But you're, you're so right. Everton going to Everton. They just... I watched this team pretty much this entire second half of the season, and I just think they're so meh, you know? And it reminds me that this team actually doesn't have as much quality as we all thought they did in the beginning of the season. Sure, they've got some good players there. James was an exciting signing, and Ducouré and Alain were good, but this game just, I don't know, I felt like it kind of lacked quality besides the goal that ended up winning this match which is from uh anwar el ghazi a great finish for the far post curling it in and that pretty much nicked this even game um to me probably the most interesting thing about this game was the striker matchup dominic calvert lewin and ollie watkins and it basically just had me thinking you know who will england take out of these two strikers or will they take both i don't know what's your take on it Kyle, I mean, we have to remember through about 10 games of the season, Calvert-Lewin had 10 goals. If we go, if we rewind the clock and we remember what happened. Yep. Everton have had 23 games since and Calvert-Lewin scored five. So, I mean, you can't say that man is in great form. I mean, he's had a really nice season. I'm not going to take anything away. They've had a really, and Everton, I mean, I know they've been mad, but it's a great, it's been a really good season for Everton. Um. But Ollie Watkins, Kyle, I mean, there's just an element to him and how consistent he's been all season and what he's done for an Aston Villa team that was picked to finish in the relegation spots. And now they're up in top half of the table. I think that speaks volumes to me. And I think that's a really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they might both go at the end of the day behind Harry Kane. I was going to say, so uh, Southgate will probably take three strikers. Um, to me, a whole lot of this depends on whether or not Danny Ings is fit because he's their second best. For me, Ings is uh, England's second best striker, but I don't know that he's going to be Kyle. Yeah, unfortunately, he's always hurt. I mean, yeah, always. I don't. I actually don't really know how serious his injury was last week, but um, yeah, you're right. I think they probably will take both uh, with that in mind. But if I had to pick between the two, as a player, I like Watkins more. I think he has a lot more to his game, but Simply from the profile of the strikers, I would probably take Calvert-Lewin just to give you just something set totally... Pieces. Yeah, exactly. No, seriously, though. Like, just for something totally different, put him up there to crack some skulls because, man, he's like Alan Shearer in the air. Okay, that's like kind of oh, overblowing it, but he is great in the air. I mean, let's not get it twisted. Um, The other barcode FC, but just so much better, but also boring, Newcastle. This this was just pathetic. I mean, Newcastle are just a very pathetic club going out and looking lifeless against a mediocre Arsenal team, but they lost 2-0. Couldn't have been easier for Arsenal. Um, good to see Aubameyang on the score sheet with a nice finish. And then, Kyle, probably our player of the player of the game was Martinelli, who was fantastic on the out wide for Arsenal. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's his first start in a while, it seems, and he just absolutely tore up Newcastle's right side of that defense as he was on 
Arsenal's left wing in this sort of like wide attacking role, but he really kind of like hugged the the touchline. But he was just absolutely tearing it up. He got grabbed an assist for Aubameyang's goal, I think it was. Um, he just absolutely tortured them. And you know, he's a really young player, and I'm I'm hoping that um, you know he goes from strength to strength because he's just electric and really fun to watch. Uh, speaking of electric and really fun to watch, this hasn't happened in a while, but Gareth Bale. First hat-tricks in, in the EPL since 2012 uh, in Spurs. 4-0 win against Sheffield, but guys, let's keep in mind, it's Sheffield United, and they are awful. They're butt cheeks, Kyle. I mean, I don't want to take anything from Gareth Bale. I've been saying he should start all season, unlike my some podcast hosts, but hey, it's hey, neither here nor there. Don't put uh, words in my mouth, man. Don't <laughs> put words in my mouth. Just, just listen to <laughs> old episodes, folks. You'll You'll hear it. Uh, but no, I mean, Sheffield United was, is terrible, just an awful, terrible team. And who would have seen it coming? Like, yes, they probably weren't going to replicate the success they had last season, but the drop off is just astounding from this team. Just can't defend, can't score. Yeah. Speaking of can't score they're they're on 18 goals and the lowest I think is 20, right? So they could break the all time low of goal scoring which is just not where you want to be yeah and that was from that awful 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 darby county team in like 2008 which believe it or not was the worst premier league team ever like statistically even worse than that huddersfield team a couple huddersfield were awful even worse than this sheffield team so uh spurs fans don't get too carried away because this team was hot garbage but got to give bale credit all three of his goals were excellently taken could have been a lot more. Um, Sheffield probably should have had a red card too, or almost definitely should have, because Lis also got his face straight up stamped on. But I'm not here to talk about VAR. But I've got an interesting bail stat for you. But first, I got to defend myself. What I said <laughs> earlier is I understand why he wasn't playing these big games in Jose's system, but that wasn't saying that he shouldn't be playing. Jose's a dumbass because Gareth Bale has actually the best goals to minutes ratio in the league. And pretty much the only big game he has started all season was that Arsenal game, which he was awful and was hooked after 55 minutes. But I feel like anyone with half a brain would realize that you've got to start Bale. And it was always going to be a project getting him fit. It was always going to take a couple months. Took a little longer than expected. But, dude, he has more goals than Sadio Mane this year. That it's not crazy? bad. It's not bad. You you got to play him. I mean, Spurs have no defense. Ryan Mason's just got to fucking go for it and play attacking football. So, um, so yeah, that was exciting. A lot of goals. Not so exciting game. West Brom won. Wolverhampton Wanderers won. I mean, God, talk about a snoozer. Uh, West Brom really needed to win in this game, um, but they just didn't pull up the goods, and they can thank God be relegated next weekend. Oh, it'll happen, and I'll uh, we'll pop open a bottle of champagne. We'll do a little toast and celebrate their departure from the Premier League. We will literally celebrate. That's no, no, there's no joke. We will, getting... yeah, we will get the champagne for next episode. Burnley uh, lost to West Ham two to one at home, giving West Ham a nice bounce back game and securing fifth place for them. Um, with four games to go, the Hammers are still in it, Kyle. They are still in it. They're three points behind Chelsea. So with a manageable schedule remaining with Everton, uh, West Brom, Southampton, and who else do they play? Uh, Brighton. So 
Right. We'll see what we'll see what West Ham can do, but um, Lynn Gardino and Mikel Antonio back from injury now. Um, yeah, try their best. And I mean, what a way for Antonio to come back from injury too, hitting a double could have been even more. But um, this was actually <laughs> this was actually a really entertaining game. Both teams played on the front foot. There were chances, um, but West Ham, man. They've actually got quality in that midfield, and I thought uh, Saeed Ben Rama and Pablo Fornals were just totally pulling the strings in that midfield, and they they shone and gave Antonio chance after chance. So they're definitely still time. in it. It's about time we saw quality from Ben Rama, who was so yes. good for like Brentford's player of the season last year, even better than Ollie Watkins. Like so important for that team. Yeah, two um, best players in the championship last year. It wasn't it Ollie Watkins who won player of the season, I think. I. Uh, I don't remember, but Ben Rama was, was still, one of like, pulled the strings for Brentford. Yeah. was so good, and now you know Brentford's up in those places with Ivan Tony, who's been probably the player of the season in the championship. Uh, we will probably see him in the Premier League next season, even if Brentford do not get promoted. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Um, so that's it for the games this weekend. Just real quickly, uh, we want to go over some data science. Some who would the analysts and the nerds think yes. are going to finish top four? Uh, Take it away. Some odds on favorites, Kyle. I'm I'm not even going to cover cover City because it's like 100 percent chance they finish first with, uh, and they're projecting 89 points. So not going to go there. Uh, they have Everton finishing eighth. Um, with less than a 1% chance at top four. So we're just going to eliminate Everton from this conversation. Nice year. Eliminated. All right, so we have six teams left. We have uh, Spurs, Liverpool, West Ham, Leicester, Chelsea, and United. Where are they all going to finish? So 538 says United United are going to finish second with a greater than 99% chance at top four and a 95% chance at finishing second, Kyle. And I tend to agree. I mean, I don't see United losing grasp of second place um and third kyle they have leicester city football club even with their hard last three games they sit at 63 points right now 538 says they have an 80 percent chance at top four and will finish at 69 points so that means kyle they go two and two of the rest of the way and they're looking really nice so just win one of those last three and take care of business like you should against newcastle and they're in comfortably but that feels good for you to say, huh? I mean, I mean honestly, I, I'm though, a yeah. bandwagon Leicester fan, but at the end of the day, I mean, I love, I, I think they deserve it, though. I think they've been one oh. of the best four teams in the league this season. Yeah, I mean, you say bandwagon Leicester fan, but you've been, you've been on the 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 train for a couple of years now. I mean, they're fun to watch. Really well ran. Brendan Rodgers is is a good manager, um, and they've shown in big games this year that they can show up and and nick points and even wins. So. I would back them 100% to finish that top four too. 80% chance yep. seems on point. Uh, Chelsea in fourth, Kyle. And I think the reason Chelsea is in fourth because they have a difficult schedule. So they're, they're only a couple points behind Leicester currently, but they have a pretty brutal schedule with City, Arsenal, um, Aston Villa, and I forget the fourth, Leicester. And they play Leicester in the FA Cup as well. So a lot of fixture congestion for Chelsea. Uh, but they're going to finish fourth, according to 538, at 67 points with a 66% chance at top four. So still pretty good odds to make the top four for Chelsea. And then we have Liverpool at 65 points at fifth. But 538 drops it down to 27% chance for top four. 
So the problem with Liverpool is they do have an easy schedule, but one, they haven't shown they're in form, giving up late goals and not being able to score a lot of goals um, from Firmino and Mane specifically. Uh, but they're only on 55 points right now, and Leicester at 60. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Leicester at 63 points, and Liverpool at 54. So, I mean, they have a lot of points to make up, and it's just it might be too much ground to make up. So, I tend to agree with that. Although I think Liverpool are still in it. They have West Ham behind Liverpool at an 18% chance, Kyle, which is almost insulting because West Bro- West Ham have it West Brom. Huh? West Ham have an easy schedule left and have more points, but they only give them an 18% chance. And then we see your Tottenham Hotspur Football Club uh, in the mix at a 9% chance. So there's yes, a chance, I- Kyle. There's a chance. Ryan Mason could do it. No, honestly, 9% sounds spot on. I mean... If you were to ask me what their percentage chance of, of making top four, I would have probably said about 10%, maybe 15% if I was feeling really confident, but literally no more than that. I mean, I think for, for Liverpool, West Ham, and Spurs, it's all about, I, I just don't believe Chelsea and Leicester will drop the points. Moving on to our last segment, Kyle, Manchester City reaching their first Champions League finals after beating PSG 2-0 today, Kyle. Um, Manchester City was just clearly better over the both legs. I mean, PSG, you could argue, had more of a chance in the first leg. Clearly missing Kylian Mbappe in the second leg, Yeah, I, I thought, personally. But how good are some of these uh, Manchester City players, Kyle? Putting their... not Some of them just with their silky smooth movement or their passing ability. And then I thought their defenders, just some of the blocks they made in this game are... World class, unbelievable. Ruben, Ruben Diaz putting his body on the line, uh, rightful. I thought player of the game. Uh, oh yeah, honestly, like he was diving out there. I thought Zinchenko was even Zinchenko's flying around making crazy blocks. The one notably on Neymar, I think, in the second half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, what a rock solid team, Kyle. Absolutely. I mean, John Stones too. I didn't think he had it in him yeah. to be a good center back, but he looked really great. But you're right. Ruben Diaz was a was a one man monster back there and was just an absolute wall. Um, it's it's weird to see a Pep Guardiola team that's so solid defensively. We're so used to seeing all of his teams be such a joy to watch, but they're almost always pretty much always vulnerable. Even those great Barcelona teams are vulnerable at the back with PK and Danny Alves not being the best defenders on earth or Jordi Alba, but. Um, you know, just goes to show why Ruben Diaz was worth the money. I mean, he's had the same effect that Van Dyke has had on Liverpool, uh, but he's more of a defender's defender than Van Dyke, who Van Dyke is more elegant and a great passer and really fast, whereas Ruben Diaz likes to crack some skulls and seems like a real leader. But you're so right, man. I mean, watching Phil Foden in this game go up against these like stars of PSG and just boss it was just so much fun to watch. Uh, Fernandinho, I thought was great and really just mopped up everything. And KDB is KDB, you know, De Bruyne. What else can we really say about him? Um, but man, I, I thought PSG totally lost their cool in this game. Totally lost their cool. They did. They did. Their composure was terrible. I thought even in the first half, some players that they needed to step up did not. I thought Cardi was missing the entire game. Um, Di Maria was really poor. Di Maria was pretty poor. I thought. I feel like was it just me? I haven't looked at the official stats, but I thought Di Maria gave the ball away a lot 
Yeah. Whether it was just dribbling or his poor passing, I thought he just, I mean, yep. the first leg, I thought he was much better, but this game just not so much. Um, seemed over and over and over. And it, like, I, I thought Neymar actually had a good game and it was like, no matter what Neymar tried to pull out of his hat, you know, going up against the city defense, it would take, you know, all four of their front men to really be on the game. And it just didn't really pan out that way. And PSG just totally lost her cool. And, and part of me thinks that, I feel like Neymar sets the tone for this team in terms of attitude because Neymar was great on the field, but, you know, against Lil recently, I think like two weeks ago, he was sent off for headbutting someone or getting in a fight or some shit like that. And that's happened on more than one occasion this year where he's gotten a red card for doing something like that. And there were many times in this game where PSG players had tackles or did different things where I was like, that is borderline red card material. And, um, you know, I'm I'm surprised there wasn't more red cards. But, yeah, PSG just totally lost their cool. Totally it lost It was especially cool. noticeable after the second goal because even after they left the first one, their task didn't change. They still needed two goals. So it wasn't that different, even though City scored early. It's not doesn't change or PSG's task that much. But once, as soon as Riyad Mahrez scored the second, I think that's when you notice that shift. The PSG realized they had to score three and little uh lost their cool as you said uh city now will face either real madrid or chelsea in the final and whatever team goes through you have to say city are probably considerable favorites but not overwhelming they have to be and i think the only reason they wouldn't be overwhelming favorites is the fact that they've never won the champions league before and we've seen year after year they have this kind of mental block but I don't know about you. I saw this game as like breaking through that glass ceiling. Uh, I think there's because... too much quality for there to be a mental block. I think the Real Madrid ha- definitely have players that have experience in the big moment and just have quality players. And then we just saw Chelsea like slow down City a couple of weeks ago in the FA Cup semifinal. It so dominated them in the FA Cup. But I-, I think City's attention was turned elsewhere in that game. And I mean, look, it could happen in the final, but. Um... This year, it just has a different look and feel to it. And City, they deserve it. And I would be willing to bet a couple few hundred on City because, man, they just look... Not only are they great to watch, but they're super solid this year. And that combination is usually a winning combo. All right, real quick, as we're closing out at the show, instead of our final thoughts, we'll get three quick picks from us. So tomorrow, Chelsea hosting Real Madrid at Stamford Bridge. Who do you got? I'm going to go Madrid 2-1. Oof. I'm going to go 1-1 Chelsea-Real Madrid to penalties. And? All right. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, Real Madrid. It's I don't just, know. I'm not confident, though. I feel like it could go either way. Yeah. I thought I was really impressed how Chelsea played away at oh, Real Madrid. I actually think Chelsea are a better team, but there's just something about Real mentally that just like drives me nuts, but they've just got that juice. In Benzema's terms, goal, like we didn't cover this, but Benzema's goal last week against Chelsea, whew, that was saucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, in the Europa League, United against Roma. I mean, I don't know if this one matters that much because United absolutely bent over Roma and spanked them in the second half of that game when <laughs> yeah. they won 6-2. to two. Uh, so I think my pick, Kyle's just United is going to move on to the final. I don't yeah, really I mean, as... I don't care either. But may, I don't know, one one in a game that literally doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. I don't in know. In Rome, yeah. Uh, 
And then lastly, the more interesting one, uh, Arsenal grabbed a crucial away goal at Villarreal after being down to 10 men and are losing 2-1 to on aggregate, but did get that away goal. So do you think Arsenal can turn the tide and beat Villarreal, or do you think Villarreal will hold on? It's possible. It's definitely possible. I, look, that game should not have been 2-1. Arsenal, it, it, that result could have been a whole lot worse. Villarreal yes. showed up and Arsenal did not. But So credit to them. They're in with a chance. But I just, I don't know what it is with Unai, good evening, Emery. But, like, man, he's got something about this competition. And, look, I, I don't think this Villarreal team is as good as his Sevilla teams. But um, I'm going to back Villarreal to hold on. Uh, I, I think, think it'll so. be close, though. I think it'll be close, and I think it'll go to the wire. Uh, Arsenal are going to push it, but I'm going to back the Villarreal and United final. Okay, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think I think it'll be a tie, probably 1-1, with Arsenal pushing the game in the last 20 minutes to try and score. Um, the goal we'll definitely be watching. Time. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, the United, there's no reason to watch United game. No. Um, all right, Kyle, that's it for us. I mean... Most interesting news, Jose confirmed as Roma manager today. So we'll see yes. what he can do at AS Roma. Already getting a new gig. Well, he'll start after the season ends. But um, see what he can do in Serie A with Roma not making the Champions League next year. So none of that. Yeah, nice little, nice little bomb of info at the very end. I, you know, to be fair to Jose, I actually think the Italian league probably suits his style and him as a manager better than any other league. And I could see him being successful. Yeah, we'll see. Roma has some players. I mean, their striker is a little old, but they have some young players in their midfield and defense that can do something. So, oh, man, to see Jose's style like hamper Nicolo Zaniolo is going to be a bummer, though. But, may- you know, maybe <laughs> maybe that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> oh man that's true well kyle um we're gonna sign off now check us out at over the top epl on instagram and twitter i think we're gonna get both those goals up from brighton and uh sergio aguero up on the uh up on instagram tell us which one you like better uh we will see you next week for coverage for the champions leagues uh the other champions league semifinal and the rest of the games that we have next weekend um for kyle i'm justin i will see you later